This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with, um, we're not sure, but Tiny or Automatic Andy. Hi. We haven't, we haven't decided. And Truck Girl Jan. Hello, world. And Andy was applauding before his name even came out. <laughs> I just, I'm really excited today. Yeah, you are? I got the, the caffeine, the bean juice oh, flowing bean in juice. my face. That's all it takes to have a upbeat radio show about cars, bean juice, and enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be <laughs> clapping all day. <laughs> he does Mine that when we go really to was really good a, this morning, too. Yeah, well, your bean juice? Yeah. You changed up your order. I did, yeah. thanks to Starbucks. <laughs> Yep. I'm not sure you can say that, but thanks, Starbucks. Yes, thank for making you. Making je- the day bearable for Jen. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 all right, Andy, uh, you have now spent a week at my house. What do you think? Yeah, it's great. I like, <clears throat> I like being at your place. It's it's a mix of being kind of at Hogwarts and <laughs> Tony Stark's place. Really? Because you can talk to your house, yeah, and it's very true, magical. Man. We do have a house you can talk to. I mean, I can open my garage door, turn the lights on and off. I can, you know, set the temperature in the garage. Do you? Is it weird that I keep my cars at a, te- a certain temperature? No. It's awesome. It's so like funny. 68 in my garage. <laughs> it's perfect. I do the same thing. Yeah, but my garage is, is detached. It's not part of the house. Oh, that's true. Well... Am I weird? Am I have an air conditioner no. in my garage? No, I feel weird. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking, who does this apart from rich guys in Florida that have Lamborghinis? I was like, I'm uh, weird. people who have studios. Yeah, but I mean, I know? use it for filming inside the garage, yeah. and we have a radio studio in there. But right. well, yeah, you have a lot of equipment. And you have a lot of a lot of hot cars. You got to keep. You got to cool. keep them. That's cool. why the whole place is like <laughs> wired. You know, twelve thousand yeah. volts if you touch the wrong door. Yeah, but just kidding. But um. Yeah, I just I was thinking about that. Who else heats and cools their garage? Like I said, I do. I have a like a, a little switch that I can put on, or that's on my hot water tank yeah. system. Whatever. For your garage. Yeah, and the furnace the furnace kicks in and pumps air pumps air into the garage. Is that just called the flu that comes off the heater? You couldn't be bothered to run it to the roof. You ran it straight into the garage. No, no, it's actually like a. You're so funny. No, because I've got my car in there, and I want to keep it nice and warm. You do. Yeah. Oh, your your um, Camaro. Uh, nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine Camaro. You got a ninety nine Camaro. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's like you don't mess with a Camaro, by the way, because that that's when her nails come out. True. Huh. Very true. Right. She's okay. truck girl Jen until we get to talk about Camaros. And then she okay. becomes Catwoman Jen. Wow, hmm. mm-hmm. um, <coughs> And she likes this. Which brings me to my next question. Oh, oh. I know that Andy, you lost your dad this year. Um, Jen and I still have our dads. But do you? Do you? Is your car? Is your thoughts about cars? Was it influenced by your dad? 
Yeah, that's yeah, it was because he was one of he was like an encyclopedia. It was really weird. Of course. Yeah. How come I didn't know this? Well, we could go down the street and all of us, every single one of my siblings, we we could we could drill him all the time. Dad, what what what's that? And he could know precisely the make, the model, the engine, the stats, like the 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 basic stuff. Depending on what it was, like if he was into it, into it, then he could go further. But like on paper, like the front stuff, he could he he knew everything. That's awesome. I, I feel like he should have been on my show a long time oh, ago. Oh, he would have been the best sidekick for you, man. It would have been beautiful. Thanks. Really? Sorry, Now I got you two. Wait a second. There's, there's you two. There's two of you. Yeah. yeah. No, he would have been great. So he, he, I settled for a quarter sidekick. <laughs> I couldn't get the best, so I second the second and third best. Fight yeah. it out amongst yourselves. Yeah. Let me know who wins. That's right. No, I, I'm not half of what he could have been. Um, I think what happens is... Because this happened with me, but I broke the mold. My grandfather, who died in 1968, but my grandfather hated Fords. Mm -hmm. And my dad hated Fords because my grandfather hated Fords. And he was a Church of England vicar. Like you would call it, you know, a pastor, a priest, whatever here. But he was a Church of England vicar. And he just didn't like Fords. And I actually don't know the whole story. I should ask my dad. Well, my dad, um, you know, is still alive to get the story. But he just hated Fords. Mm -hmm. And so I happen to have a number of Fords that I own. And my dad's always like, I mean, you can see when he gets in it, he's already ready for a fight. (laughs) (laughs) But there's no good reason for it. Like, he's not been able to give me, I think he, he like, fix or repair daily was one of his things. Oh, there's a few of them. But (laughs) one of the things about that is... You can say the same about any year. There's bad years of every vehicle, yes. like the 2015 Chevy Silverado. I think was a terrible year. There's a year that where what the trucks it? didn't do well. No, in Ram, I think it was the 18s and 19s well, had like transmission and issues. No, that's earlier. I think earlier, but you know, like, and then we if you, if you talk about anything before 2014, the law was so different, right? And I don't know. I mean, unless I have opinions, but buying a used car, if I buy a used car that has more, you know, around 80 to 150,000 miles on it, I'd always just go for a, for, you know, a Honda or a Toyota or well, okay. Nissan. Because so they last a long time. Yeah, but there's lots of variables in that, too. Well, it's not the single law. I mean, no, I'm just saying, like, Chevy, Chevy vehicles are usually easier to repair yourself. No, We're not the Hon- early Hondas. The early Hondas and Toyotas are super easy. Okay. It's only the newer ones that get more complicated when they get computers on board. But that was the whole point. That's how Toyota, Nissan, and Honda came to the United States in the gas crisis of the late 60s and early 70s, where they were able to build, I mean, Honda especially built these little engines. Right. And they were a master engine builder, and so they just took one of their small engines and built a car around it. And the original Corolla was s- as small as the Mini, and they built vehicles around it. And that that's the how they Civic conquered the United States. Yeah, I mean, it was they were, they were tiny, right. tiny vehicles. But you were talking about Ford. Yeah, but, ch- and, but I think your dad's influenced you. It's so not we, so your much dad was a Chevy guy, and now you're a Chevy girl. Okay, first off, it, my family worked for GM. Not my family, but my uncles and my aunts. So your extended family worked for General Motors. Correct. See, but there you go. That's okay. another influencing opinion. But it's not that. I mean, 
it, okay, no offense. Had nothing to do with it? No, okay, no offense to Ford or anything, but when I got my, was I was able to drive and pick my own cars. Yeah. I didn't like the what Ford was offering at the time. I didn't like the Taurus. I didn't like the uh, Fiesta at that time, right. you know. I, did, I, I just didn't. Dating yourself here. Yeah, I know. I ended up with a Cavalier. The price was right. You know, it was a bigger vehicle at the time, dating myself. And, you know, and like, again, it was easy to fix. But you had a lot of family influence. Like your family influenced a lot of things about how you feel. Not everything, but they, they do my, have influences. My, my on mom you. had an Oldsmobile. Yeah. And then now, she, or she had a Kia and then she has But I'm talking about how they influenced your choices. So your family were a GN family, period. But my first car was a Renault. Right, but... That was to do with price, right? No, that was to do with that was the car that I wanted. Okay, and you had that for a long time until I I blew it up. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> what was your dad? I mean, I remember your dad having a Toyota Corolla. No, uh, Camry. Yeah, but yeah, he did. He had a yeah, Camry. But what did he have before the Camry? He had a Hyundai. So, Asian cars were always in his thing. Yeah, he didn't have, there wasn't, we didn't, ha I don't think we had any American cars, to be honest. Uh, so, no, that's a lie. We had one, but no. You drive Hyundais. I do. And did that have, did your dad have anything to do with that? He did. He taught me a lot about them. Uh, he he used them a lot for the, the economic portion of them right. because of the, the giant family that we are. <laughs> so it was easy for us to get around, you know. The right. price of it. The price point was the, the the influencer there, I believe. For him. Yeah. But I do have to admit, though, that, I mean, my parents pushed the, you know, American jobs. I mean, way back when, you yeah. know. So, so, mm -hmm. but so comes, that is definitely. in but that this, place. This, again, is coming down to everything I just said. Your family really influences what you choose as vehicles. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and right now, I have to tell you, I'm driving that new Hyundai Tucson. Woo! Yeah, it's nice. That is amazing. My parents had one a while ago. I, I judge it against what they had. It now is the only vehicle that looks the same as the Lamborghini on the sides. It has those angular lines, the same as the Urus. The grill has part of the lights. The uh, the tech on the inside with the big screens and the hybrid. I mean, I'm getting like 25 miles a gallon. And you know me, my right foot weighs 14 pounds heavier than my left foot. So I'm... Uh, you know, I'm very lead-footed. Um, beautiful sunroof. I mean, the whole package. And I'm looking at this car, and it starts, like, in the mid-20s. I'm like, yeah, I like there's the still a value for money there with the uh, with the Korean cars. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this job has expanded our horizons as well. You know, right. you're right. I, I'm Deep down, I'm a Chevy girl. Because both of you really hate my BMW M8 competition. Oh, don't you? see, yeah. Well, seriously. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. With <laughs> with a passion. With a passion. Yeah. I do hate the scrub wheel though. That's for real. I do. You mean hate the that uh, the iDrive? No, the the thing that you where you you where you choose the radio stations. Yeah. The iDrive. The thing, the wheel thing. Yeah. You don't like that. In between the seats. The iDrive. Whatever that is called. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that thing. Right. That, you call it the I hate drive. Yeah, the, the I hate the scrub wheel thing. Uh, like you know, horses for courses. That's why there's a touch screen and buttons below it and stuff. So you can do everything. Mm. We're thinking about you, Andy. I know.
Uh, Automatic Andy, Truck Girl Jen, Nick Miles. We have a packed show coming up for you. We're going to talk to some people about their new vehicles. So stand by. Here it comes. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to Our Auto Expert radio show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with uh, Tiny or Automatic Andy when he decides who he is. <laughs> I don't and, know, man. And uh, Truck Girl Jen. Uh, uh, Andy, you were saying that your dad had a Plymouth champ. It was probably one of the coolest cars I've ever been in. So first of all, what year were you born? 81. So you were born, this car stopped production in 82. So it stopped production when you were one. Yeah. How much, when do you remember it? How old were you? Oh, man, probably early 90s. Cause so I, it was already a POS yeah, by that time. Because I remember my, my middle brother. My uh, By the way, that sounds like a piece of sunken metal. <laughs> Good cover. He he bought it for my dad, so it was around the house for a while. Okay, and it was a glorious car. It was beautiful. Yeah, I'm. We obviously have different opinions of glorious, <laughs> but it's it's like a two door. There, so there was the the Plymouth Champ and the Dodge Colt were basically the same vehicle. That's when they used to just rebadge things. But you know, do you know what it was? Hmm. It was actually a Mitsubishi Mirage. It was? Yeah, they just rebadged it for the United States. Nuh uh. Yeah. Well, no wonder I like the Mitsubishi Mirage so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite cars. Sold. There, there you go. go. No wonder I want one of those. Yeah. Have you Mitch- seen that? You should You should look up the new Mitsubishi Mirage. Well, now I'm going to. Yeah, just do it. You might not love it. Hmm. <laughs> about $12,000 brand new. Well, can we talk to Plymouth I about bringing them back? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that our radio show, just on you know twenty radio stations across the United States, is going to make them spend billions of dollars to bring a car back. Well, what what's which obviously the, only lasted three years, by the way, from 1979 to 1982. Well, there's a chance. What's the what's the generation of the the kiddos that the 90s kids? Are those millennials? New kids on the block. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Um, <coughs> whoever those guys Millennials are. were born 82, I think. 82, 84. Depends where My you look. My son's a millennial. So us, they're those guys. We, there's a market there. If they brought them back and put like something, you know, like yeah. a trendy, like seagull doors. I do total seagull market. Gold, seagull, you mean butterfly doors or gullwing doors? Do, gull, gullwing doors. Those two. Yeah. That would be great. That as well. Yeah. How about scissor doors? Tes- Tesla, do- well, Tesla doors. Scissor on doors a, would be cool. Yeah. yeah. And then like a, like a touch screen. Done. Sold. Uh, Are you listening, Plymouth? Yeah, Plymouth. Or you now now Stellantis? Yeah, I was gonna say the most, the heaviest thing on there will probably be the doors. (laughs) Aren't you glad that Automatic Andy is not in charge of your marketing department? (laughs) We'd make billions. It builds itself, guys. You you have to spend. Uh, You have to spend billions to make billions. That's what you said. Hey, a couple things you should have a look at. Uh, If you go to our Facebook page. Um, two pieces up there. So the story goes that some... Uh, I've seen the new Toyota Tundra. I was in Dallas. I got to see it, but I'm not allowed to say anything. Wasn't allowed to talk about it, take any photos. So they they, they uh, shooed me into a tent mm-hmm. and they showed me this vehicle, which was great. It wasn't even a running, working vehicle. It was like a fiberglass body. Um, it was sort of a mock-up of what the vehicle was going to look like. 
and it looks pretty impressive. I mean, it still looks like a Tundra, but um, the, the face, I will tell you, I think I can stand next to the grill, and the hood is actually taller than I am, and I'm 5'3". I'm, a, I'm a, <coughs> an Elven-style chap. <laughs> I'm Elven height. Yeah. Actually, no, Elves are tall, aren't they? I don't know. It depends which story you're into, but I'm I'm Alvin. I'm Elvin. Oh. Elvin, not Alvin, not Chipmunk. That's what I was thinking. Uh, elf. elf. Oh, Elf. Yes. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I'm I'm an Elf. God, get it together. You should play more Magic: The Gathering. I don't know I'm any a, of that. A, <laughs> Does he look like a chipmunk? No. <laughs> no. I I am I am the height of an Elf, and so mm. I I bet you this hood of this new Toyota Tundra comes above me. Great. Um, it's huge. So what happened is they were showing it to dealers. Some, and I, I would love to know the backstory to this because this is this happened with a couple of generations ago Prius. Somebody took a photo of the screen in which they showed it to them and posted it. Uh oh. Yeah. They broke embargo. Video. Oh yeah. <gasps> and so it got out there. Pictures got out there on the web, and you know what happened. Pink then flips. Toyota had to, yeah, well, last time they sued somebody over the Prius thing. So, and it was a, a catering worker at some dinner took a picture of the car and posted it online. And the catering company had already signed a, a deal. Anyway, uh, long story short, um, what happened was ended up with um, uh, the Toyota ended up releasing the pictures of the Tundra. If you want to see that, you can just go to our uh sites i think i posted on facebook our auto expert facebook o-u-r-a-u-t-o-e-x-p-e-r-t facebook site and uh, i also post on instagram so if you go and follow us on both you can go see the pictures of the new tundra uh they're out there which is interesting um then there's a, a bunch of other like stories are starting to uh, hit the ground running um there is uh, all the auto shows are coming back, so there's lots of chatter and new product being shown for the first time. Uh, pictures sneaking out. Um, I get to drive the new Bronco next week for the first time. Um, I was the first person to ride in a new vehicle this week, which I'm not allowed to talk about, but I, as soon as they give me the clearance... Um, Ooh, I like that grill. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Is that a bar underneath? I don't know. It I'm, looks like a light bar. Yeah. Yes, I think it is. And the lights are, I don't know, they, you know they look like a wine cork, the lights do? A wine cork screw? No. So your hand would go on top like that. No. There, and then you'd unscrew a bottle of wine. Yeah. No. That's what, it, that's what everyone's saying. You can open bottles of wine on the grill? No, it looks no. like a light. Well, oh, because I would do that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. You know what that? You know what never had that before? It's Plymouth very champ. tiger-esque. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it, it's very tiger-esque. Yeah, the champ could do that. Tiger-esque? Yes. Doesn't it looks like a look? You, it see, looks like a tiger. Ad, isn't that weird? An ad popped up for the tundra, the the current tundra next to it, so yeah. you can look at them. <clears throat> no, I think it looked. I don't know. I like it. And you right. said these oh. pictures are on our auto expert. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is. The, I'm looking at the TRD Pro model, <clears throat> but it's beautiful. Well, I see. That's what we do. Um, there is another new vehicle out there called the VW Taos. Uh, Mark Gillis is going to join us to talk about that. This is or Taos. Yes. I like to say Taos because that's how the English say it. Um, and, and I want to talk about this because <laughs> it's it it's outstanding. <laughs> it's an outstanding vehicle. Um, there's one thing I want them to put on it, and I'm going to ask Mark if they'll do that. It needs an automatic trunk opener. I was waiting for that. That's all mm -hmm. I need. But I'll probably put the price up $1,000. All right, more Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by.
You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Our Auto Expert, over 12,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert Podcast. Many more streamers join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy, or Tiny, depending on what day of the week you talk to him, and Truck Girl, Jen. Two million Americans get their news daily from Our Auto Expert. All right, so I got to uh, test drive this vehicle uh, twice. One was in the development stages. At the uh, just outside Phoenix, uh, VW have an amazing test ground where they put uh, they basically get the vehicles sort of in in finished base form, and then they do all the tuning and uh, stuff with them in in just outside Phoenix. And then I got to drive the final product in Detroit, um, and it is the new Taos, the VW's smallest SUV. And there are quite a few amazing things about this SUV. First of all, um, I very rarely see an entry-level SUV that is the smallest in the line with Pirelli tires on. So that was very interesting. But joining us to talk about it is uh, Mark Gillies, of course. He is the man who has all the information about VW. So, Mark, uh, I'm reading articles about this vehicle. I'm talking to other journalists. Uh, It seems like what you were hoping for at least initially, the reaction to the Taos is absolutely happening. I mean, people are just stunned with the quality and, and what they got out of the vehicle. Yeah, it's been very good. And initially, you know, the initial sales have kicked off as well, pretty well. So we're very happy with the car. Um, you know, I think it's it's a really good size. It's a good package. It's good fuel economy. Uh, and I think, you know, again, it looks good. I mean, it looks like a, a sort of little butch truck which is what people want yeah no absolutely the uh when you don't always get this i'm not i I like i like design and i like to know about it but i don't always know why my eyes do certain things when i look around cars and why i like things and why i don't so it's really good to get someone to walk around and explain why certain things were done on the vehicle um because you see oh that's why it looks this way or that's why it looks that way and it was really nice to get a walk around of this in detroit to sort of understand, oh, we did this because we wanted this to happen and we did that because we wanted that to happen. But I think the initial impression of the vehicle on the outside, especially with the cladding on to make it look like it's a bit more raised, with the angles to make it look very, very square, um, those type of things, um, not too overly chromed, but with some nice bright colors, the initial impression is really good of the vehicle because it's a lot of times I complain about this Mark and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about a lot of companies make their their small SUV CUVs look like dead fish I mean they're just so bubbly and you know it's just it's just really like I I look at them and go oh there's just you know I could have just taken that off the beach and thrown it in my uh, in my bag it's just really sad and and when someone puts some effort into these vehicles they can look great like this and you sort of really wanted to do that didn't you make it very sort of rugged and and uh you, you didn't want i i guess when i think about it i always think about parents driving up to school to pick up or drop off kids and whether the kids want them to wait a block from the school or whether they want them to pull into the parking lot and this is definitely a pull into the parking lot vehicle right <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I think the other thing, you know, this this car's a nice size too. It's about nine inches shorter than the Tiguan, and it's got good rear seat room. It's got good trunk room. Um, it's kind of like, I, I guess it's where compact SUVs used to be about 
five or six years ago, if you know what I mean. Um, and so the, the, the package, I think, is pretty good. You know, we've got to the stage where all of the compact SUVs like the, I don't know, the CRV and the, you know, the Tiguan and so on are almost as big as things like Explorers were yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. No, I think you, that's absolutely right. It's interesting, too. I think that what you've managed to do with this vehicle is it almost seems like technology has allowed you to be able to do more than a lot of other people that developed their vehicles three or four years ago, five years ago, because it seems like you managed to get a lot of small space, you know, use a lot of small space and use it very wisely. I, what makes me smile is the fact that you said something to me while we were in Detroit is like we've always been really, really good at making small, fast, dynamic cars and why why couldn't we do the same with an with a CUV or SUV? And that's absolutely right. I mean, why not? And you did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we you know we we started out as a small car company, and I think we package cars all because of that. You know, if you start out as a big car company, um, you know, you never get the same space and fuel fuel tank size and all that kind of stuff in in the same package. And I, I think you know that's something that Volkswagen does does very effectively. Um, I think it's one reason why the Atlas is so huge. It's basically, again, it's small car packaging people um, put the fuel tank in the right place so it doesn't waste space and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, did you expect some excitement about the vehicle? Because um, I know when you bring out something like an Atlas, people get excited, but I was quite, I thought it was quite interesting how um, there was so much excitement. Uh, around this, and usually you don't expect excitement when you bring your smallest CUV out, but you got it. Yeah, it's good. I think the reaction was terrific. I think again, you know, as I say, it's it's a it's a nice package. I think the engine's right size, just 158 horsepower. More importantly, it's 184 pound feet of torque, and you know, with modern turbos, and this one's got a very sophisticated variable geometry turbo. You can get the power in as low as like sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred RPM. So it makes them very, very drivable um, and, and very usable. Whereas obviously a naturally aspirated, aspirated engine, you no know, torque doesn't really arrive until you get to like three. So. Right. That I mean, and 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 listening to talking about the engine and some of the engineering, you you get that sort of longer, thinner um, piston. You get coatings that you wouldn't normally see on vehicles of this size so you're able to sort of get fuel combustion at a higher temperature there's a lot of things happening here that don't normally arrive on such a small vehicle and you sort of it almost you stepped it up so it's a challenge to everybody else step up your game put up something you may have seen on a vehicle in a higher class or a higher trim level especially this uh, the 1.5 liter engine i mean you spent a long time developing this and you did a really good job getting extra power and uh, extra sort of performance out of it i mean those numbers always if the torque is higher than the horsepower you know this thing's going to be really good um, on some uh, rougher roads as well uh, if you go camping that sort of thing it's going to get in and out of the ditch a little better than something that has less torque yeah and i think the other good thing is you know if you look at the front wheel drive version you're getting 36 mpg on the highway which is you know it's kind of thing you were getting out of hatchbacks again right. 10 years ago so that you can get the, you can really get the efficiency up with these modern engines um 
and, and again, as you allude to, with a lot of sophisticated technology that comes from you know much higher priced vehicles. You know, they've got the plasma coated cylinder liners, and I remember the first time I saw that when I was a journalist was actually it was Jaguar back in the, I guess the late 90s with the the AJV8 engine. That was one of the first engines where they just plasma line, lined uh, the cylinder bores for reduced friction and that's that's now coming down to a, a, a car that's you know 22995 off the showroom floor right that and to me that that is amazing i think that's one of the things that porsche like to do with their vehicles um so it, i always feel like you're getting technology from a different class of vehicle uh, trickling into this vehicle um, the packaging also, the rear seat, It I never complain much about a rear seat unless I'm sitting in something that was really just the rear seat is there for insurance purposes. But the packaging in the rear seat, there seems to be massive. But you've always been good at that at VW. I was amazed at how much room there was in the rear seat of the Passat. It was, it, it was crazy. And you've done it with this as well. It's almost like I have to take a walk to get to the seat in front of me. No, that's good. I mean, it's it's about I think it's about thirty nine inch legroom or something like that. So it's it's a it's a pretty good rear seat, and you've got sixty five cubic feet of luggage space as well with the seats down. So it's a very practical package, and as well, you know, obviously it's got all available all wheel drive. Um, so you know, if you need traction in winter, you've got that available as well. So. It's and like I said, you know, it's based off the MQB platform, so it's it's the the, the underlying architecture of pretty much everything we we do, except for the ID4, and it's just a supremely versatile package. You know, it goes all the way from a, a Golf GTI up through Taos up to to the Atlas. So it's a it's a pretty pretty good architecture, and, and obviously the more vehicles you can spawn off the same architecture. Um, in theory, hopefully, the more money you can make as a company, but also the more value you can offer to customers. I would say uh, very nicely done, well done, five stars. Um, the only thing I would ask is that in the next generation, maybe you could put an automatic trunk closer on it because I can't reach. But that, <laughs> that's the that's the only thing being being a, being a little guy. What's the starting price, Mark? Uh, so for the for the front wheel drive car, it's twenty two. Nine nine five plus ten, and then for the all-wheel drive version, it's five zero forty. Obviously, with the higher trims, it goes goes into the low thirties, I think, with the um, highest trim, SEL. Yeah, and it's uh, especially the SEL. I can't. I'm, I rack my brains about what else I'd want to see on the car, and there there just isn't anything. It's all there. It's uh, it's pretty much there. A lot of the things that I would never use on a car are not there. So it's uh, it's absolutely perfect uh, for me. Anyway, uh, it has all the things that I, I like in a vehicle. Um, on sale now. Can people go and uh, um, test drive them at the VW dealerships? Absolutely. Yeah, we've we've sold the first couple of thousand actually so front wheel drive cars are in the showrooms now and all wheel drive show, uh, cars will be getting in there uh, pretty soon so uh, yeah, be delighted for your, for your uh, listeners to go and take a test drive yeah it's just a good one mark gillies is from vw talking about the taos it's the brand new entry-level vw suv and i have to say it's probably my absolute favorite in the segment i really really do like it all right coming up on the show we have more in fact we're going to find out exactly how North American car, truck, and utility vehicle of the year works. You've probably seen the stickers and awards in showrooms. Now we're going to tell you how they get there. Coming up. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. 
Welcome back to our auto experts. Uh, over 12,000 people have downloaded the show, and you can also reach us on social media. Our auto expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at our auto expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Um, our next guest has been a pal of uh, mine guys, Andy and Jen. He's been a pal of mine for um, many, many years, and he is on the North American uh, jury who decides the car, truck, and utility vehicle of the year. So one of the things I've always wanted to explain to people how that works, but uh, in his own right, he's a a great journalist. Um, He's been a newspaper man. He's a writer. He's a a shooter. He's a video editor and uh, Spanish and English speaker and always got some uh, super interesting facts. In fact, some of his videos uh, get millions and millions of views online. His name is Javier Mota. Um, Welcome to the show, uh, Javier. It's nice to have you along for the first time. I can't believe I've waited so long to have you as a guest on the show. (laughs) Thank thank you, Nick, for that introduction. You didn't mention my uh, Nobel Peace uh, uh, Award. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, Nobel Peace (laughs) Prize. That's right. Uh, And he's won the Nobel Peace Prize. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Really? Thank you very much. My pleasure to be with you. Yes, and uh, we've been uh, on the road for many, many years. And, uh, yeah, we should have done this before. You started sure. you started your career as a newspaper man, right? Well, uh, news agencies. I used to work for UPI, Adjust France Press, and then I worked for the Miami Herald, and then Univision Online, the Spanish uh, language TV network, where I, I developed the online division, or where I helped develop the online division. And yeah, that's when I started covering cars uh, almost uh, more than 20 years ago now. Right, and and now you're a sort of a staple. I mean, we meet probably two or three times a month as we travel the world uh, together, and we've had some great experiences all around the world together, which has been an awful lot of fun. Wait, is he your driving partner then? Many times. Yeah. Many times. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we've never had an accident or a ticket or anything. No. Right on. Nothing bad has ever happened. No, I, I don't think we've ever had a disagreement either. Uh, we, we both, our temperaments are both very, very similar. Like, we, we get on, we both get that the job needs to be done, uh, we will sacrifice lunch to get the shots that we need nice. i mean we're really like we know what needs to be done nice. um yeah it's it's all about you know uh, we'll see something and and javier will go oh look at that and i'm go okay let's drive through that water yeah he'll jump out with a camera and i'll drive through it five or six times he'll get a bunch of footage and then he'll share it with me or he'll put the drone up and you know we That's just great. we just work really really well together and uh, which is really really nice and uh, super exciting um, Javier, so let's talk a little bit about the fact, well, you're on a couple of juries. You're on the North American uh, Car Jury, NACTOIT, it's called, and also you're on the World Car of the Year. So maybe you can explain those two organizations to us. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually was on the World Car Award, uh, award year um, before, like 2013 to 16. Uh, but back then, the NACTOIT wouldn't allow you to be on both. So when, when NACTOI approached me, invited me to be on the jury, I, I gave up the World Car of the Year Award because the North American Car of the Year Awards are more relevant for the U.S. market because obviously that's where we are. I know that the World Car of the Year Awards are global, but uh, honestly for the U.S. manufacturers and, and all the other companies that operate here, they give more relevance to that because this is where they sell or used to be. Therefore, they will use to sell more cars. 
So uh, North American Car of the Year is an independent award, uh, 50 years, uh, and it's not uh, affiliated to any publication. So we all belong to different outlets, TV, radio, Internet, everything else. And then we go through three rounds of voting. I, we just announced uh, last um, Thursday the, the, the list of um, candidates for 2022. And then we will go on and do the test rides uh, for the next few months. Then we have a short list to make a semi-finalist. And then we go to one harbor to do all the testing in in, a, in um in a session where there's like three, four days and we test everything and back to back, which is really important sometimes because sometimes you might drive a car today and then you won't see it again for the next six months and then you have to go and then like you don't remember every little detail. So it's pretty good to have all those cars there together and then we will announce the semifinal, the finalists in the LA Auto Show and then the winners in January were the Detroit Auto Show when the editorial editor used to be called. So we'll see how it goes. It's a pretty interesting list, I think, this year. Yeah, it's 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 definitely, and now the Detroit show moved, it's a bit uh, more difficult to um, to get it out there, but uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening. And, and the new category that you guys added was Utility Vehicle of the Year. That was added maybe four or five years ago, uh, which was nice because it separated trucks, which had a bed yeah, from correct. SUVs, right? Absolutely, yeah. It used to be like the F-150 was competing with, uh, the, let's say, the Sorento. Like, it was not even fair because they were completely different segments. And obviously, sometimes like the, the trucks are more popular than the SUV. So, yeah, they made that decision. And maybe, to be honest with you, I will think about adding sometimes or suggest adding sometimes like an EV category because now it's, it's getting blended with all the new models, but uh, it's going to become more relevant, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good uh, way to go about it. So uh, who makes up the, the initial list of cars? Well, it's a committee, obviously, and uh, it's based on uh, the fact that there's a completely new car produced or significantly uh, renewed. So, for example, this year, which actually was a little bit of a surprise for me, the G Genesis GV, G70, it's again on the list, despite the fact it won in 2019. But Genesis just updated the car significantly, so it's back again on the list. So it's uh, it's based it's based on the, those facts. It has to be new or like modified enough to be different from the previous time it, it participated. Yeah, and it has to be on sale by the end of the year, right. this calendar year. Right. And so I'm looking down the list. I don't want to go over the list because I'm going to save that for the next break after the news. But I do want to, um, you know, it's, then what happens is you all get to vote the first round and you end up with three. Is that how the next round works? No, no, no. We end up with a shorter list like this. This will be, uh, some cars will be eliminated based on the fact that, for example, if you go to the truck, to the truck uh, category, I mean, I don't think nobody will even see the Tesla Cybertruck in person. Right, right. So that's going to be eliminated from that list. So the, the, the list gets shortened, and then we, we vote for uh, the, the finalists uh, in October. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that truck list and I'm already telling you the three that I think it's going to get down to. But it's going to be interesting because you do have some interesting vehicles in there, too. Um, and we'll talk about that philosophy as well, because you've got things in there. And I'll tell you one of the vehicles right now that's on the list the, uh, the for the truck of the year. You have the GMC Hummer EV. And that's a vehicle that starts at $86,000. And the launch edition, which will be on sale at the end of the year, is $106,000. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's in the reach of everybody. And this is supposed to be the People's Car Award, really, isn't it? So it's Absolutely, yeah. That's one of the criteria. It has to be the most uh, the car that makes the most impact for, for most consumers. Right, and yeah. that car won. Yeah. But yeah. we can we'll go see. over that because of the past few years, I yeah. In my opinion, you have not won two years ago. Right. We'll be back after the news to talk to Javier Mota. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Welcome back to our Auto Expert, locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, on smartphone, online, on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Tiny or Automatic Andy, depending on what side of the bed he got out, and Truck Girl Jen. Uh, we're talking to Javier Mota. He is on the North American Car of the Year jury. He's also on the World Car of the Year jury, and we're talking about how the system works to get your vehicle, if you're a manufacturer, as a winner. Um, you, they, they want you to drive everything, right, Javier? They, they send you these vehicles, they, they drive, they badger you into uh, to driving all of these vehicles constantly. So uh, every turn of the corner, uh, there's a vehicle waiting for you to get into. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. And that would be the, the, the hope that everybody who is going to vote for a car will uh, drive it. Because, I mean, imagine if the members of the Academy would, would vote for a movie that they have to watch for the Oscars, yeah. right? Yeah, no, that so, would be... like, you really have to do that. And uh, to, be, to make an honest decision, you have to get into the car. And that's why, as I was mentioning with the Cybertruck, I mean, I don't think anybody will even see it before the end of the year. So right. that car we can eliminate right, right there. I think that I think I have to say that the Cybertruck also won't be on sale by the end of the year because no, exactly. yeah, yeah, because Austin was where they're building it and they've only just started putting the Model 3 line together in Austin. So the Cybertruck will come way after the Model 3 because that's their um, that's their meat and potatoes. Um, which they make out of the Model 3 and the Model Y. Sorry, not the Model 3. The Model Y is what they're making their money out of there. So I think they're probably going to get those up and running first. Let's go through some of these categories, Javier, um, and talk about the vehicle. So you just, uh, I'm presuming you have them memorized. No, you probably have them on a note in front of you. But uh, talk about trucks. So tell me about the, the, the trucks that are on the list as candidates to be North American Truck of the Year so far. Well, as you mentioned before, we separated the categories uh, uh, from uh, the truck and utility vehicles. So this year, for the first time, I think ever, we have eight vehicles as candidates, early candidates for the for the award. So we have the F-150 Raptor, the Maverick, the GMC Homer EV that you mentioned, the new Hyundai Santa Cruz, Nissan Frontier, Rivian R1T, the Tesla, Cybertruck and the Toyota Tundra, which actually made some news this week. As I'm sure you already mentioned yeah. with the leaked pictures and yeah. that thing with the dealerships. But I'm yeah. glad it wasn't one of us who leaked the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and you know something? This is the second time that's where the, the, 
Toyota's had that sort of leak happen. I remember with the Prius, I think the last generation of the Prius, somebody leaked the pictures yeah. of it. So they've had some yeah. bad luck with that. Um, so the so let me ask some questions about this. So so the F one fifty Raptor, um, that's not considered to be a trim level. It's considered to be its own truck on its own, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's the same thing that happened with the Ram 1500 TRX, which is uh, it, it shares the name or the part of the name with uh, with the Ram 1500, but it's much bigger, truck heavier, much more powerful, different engine, everything is different. So that's why it's uh, it's allowed to be in the list. So the Raptor is going to be the same thing. It's going to be uh, sharing the name, the F-150 name, but it's completely different. It's a completely different truck. Right. And then uh, the Maverick, obviously, we just saw that for the first time. It comes as a standard hybrid front-wheel drive, or you can step up to an all-wheel drive with uh, just a gasoline engine. Um, Ford just announced that, so they're presumably it'll be in showrooms by the end of the year. Yeah, that's true. And actually, I think, I mean, that truck has gotten a lot of attention, even, I mean, obviously, before it has gone into, into sell. But I think that segment... Uh, we, along with the Hyundai Santa Cruz, it's going to be a big hit for both manufacturers because that's something that uh, apparently a lot of people are looking for, like a smaller truck that can you drive around the city and not yeah. like have this uh, huge vehicle that doesn't fit in parking lots and all that. And you can still do a lot with it. Right. I mean, I would tell you that, that out of this list that we just talked about, the Maverick, the Santa Cruz and the Frontier are probably the favorites on that list with the Tundra coming up into fourth position. So that's, yeah, exactly. That's exactly my list. And I, I, will, I will, wouldn't be surprised if any of those four will win. I mean, we obviously, we just saw a picture of the Tundra. I mean, yeah. we actually saw it in person, but we cannot talk anything about right. it. Uh, now I, I, I wonder if we can, because, you know, all bets are off. Oh, uh, we can talk about the picture. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about the stats, obviously. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, any of those four will be a good a good choice, I think, and and especially for for as we mentioned several times already, for the a lot of the consumers or the majority of the consumers, the Maverick, which starts, I mean, quote unquote, under twenty thousand, which is not completely true because that doesn't include the destination fee, that is set by the manufacturers. So the other twenty thousand um, dollar initial price is is really a marketing line because yeah. it really it's more than that but anyway a, a very affordable truck same as the santa cruz is going to be around there the frontier we what we have seen already in the nissan next exhibits that have gone around the country i think it looks really really good and we're going to yeah. go and drive it uh, next month no yeah. yes next yeah. month in, yeah. in in salt lake city so i mean outside salt lake city sundance so i think that's going to be the, the winner is going to be out of those four yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and I do you think will Tundra be on uh, sale before the end of the year? Well, I believe so. They haven't announced the release date, but uh, everybody's speculating that it might be in Chicago where they show it. Like the Chicago show is going to be very, very limited compared to what it was before the pandemic. They say they're going to show it there, but, I mean, so we're in the middle of the year. I mean, it could be. It could be by, on sale by the end of the year, and then they will qualify. Otherwise, it won't. And right. it won't participate. Yeah, because next year, of course, the Lightning will be on this list. 
So yeah, and he's going to win. You can yeah. tell now that yeah. win. unless somebody unless, unless somebody comes up with something we don't know about, it looks like uh, it, it's going to have a really good chance of winning. Um, yeah, the lightning. So, all right. So we come down, and so my three. I think out of those three, I will tell you that the Maverick probably stands the best chance, followed by the Santa Cruz, followed by the Nissan Frontier. In my opinion, and I'm not on any juries, and and uh, that's by choice. Uh, utility of the year. This list is way too long to go down. Massive. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, but there are some significant but, but that's vehicles. What, that's where the market is going. I mean, yeah. like a lot of the consumers, it's like 70, 30 now, like according to some uh, manufacturers. So, I mean, it makes sense. And and here, even though the, the, the lease is long and like very, very good vehicles, I can tell you that the Bronco is going to win <laughs> now. Yeah, I <laughs> For think, many different reasons. I, I mean, mean I, we can like skip the whole process. I would tell you that I think the Bronco would have a really good chance of winning, but there are some really notable vehicles on this list. Uh, no, the, they are. They the, are. The GV70, which is not really Maybe. been been it's sort of been seen teased about, but we don't have super amounts of information. Uh, which is the the smallest SUV from Genesis? The new Ionic Five, which is Hyundai's new all electric vehicle. Um, the the one vehicle that I have to tell you is the Jeep, which surprised me is the Jeep um, Grand Wagon, uh, the Grand Cherokee, and the Wagoneer. Those two are both on the list. Uh, there, so they are, and they're a great vehicles. We were we were there in Detroit a couple of weeks ago. Last week was it? Yeah. Yeah. Last week, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we went to the factory and everything, and I, the Grand Cherokee Elder, which is the, the one we, we test drove uh, there a couple of weeks ago, it's really a fantastic car. It's like a three-row SUV, very luxurious. And I was, in my comments on my video review, I said that it's better and less pricey than a quote-unquote luxury SUV. Yeah. I mean, because you see the technology, the materials, the design, and the capability of a true Jeep car, or SUV, and I, you are surprised because you cannot spend more than seventy thousand, around seventy thousand. Right. If you do a comparison to a Mercedes-Benz and Audi, a BMW, a Land Rover, I mean, you will yeah. spend at least another fifty thousand dollars before you get into anything similar that the, the Grand Cherokee offers. Um, so, I mean, that's yeah, a really good yeah. value. Um, and then if you want to see the whole list, by the way, you can go to NorthAmericanCarOfTheYear.org and see the whole list. There's so many on that list. I, we could go down. I, in the last minute and a half, I want to talk a little bit about the car of the year. There are a couple of vehicles on here. I think there's three that probably maybe four that could win this. Um, I think the Genesis G70, the uh, Mercedes-Benz EQS, the Mercedes-Benz S-Class, uh, uh, definitely uh, good possibilities to win this on here. Anything else that you would think would win on the, the car of the year? Well, I think we go by the, by the criteria that it has to be a car that impacts a lot of consumers. I mean, we Civic. have to see the Civic, yeah. because those cars are always a huge value. I mean, they give you a lot for your money. They last forever, and uh, but we haven't seen it. Um, the Mercedes-Benz, unfortunately, is like a fantastic car. I mean, you can expect, I mean, it's the, their flagship, so you just can't imagine if I could be. The problem in this award is that it starts above $100,000. And yeah. similar thing with the GMC yeah. from EV. It's hard to, to give a vote for that car, although it has all the qualities to be included as car of the year. I mean, if it weren't for that limitation, maybe... It, it will 
will get a lot of votes because it's a fantastic car. I can yeah. tell you a car that one win is the Maserati MC20. I don't yeah. even know why it's in the list because, I mean, it's like an exotic, almost yeah, it's crazy one-off car. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, but, or, or, unfortunately for them, the karma that they're putting a lot of effort in this uh, development. But of they're, the not, they're not winners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not winners. Uh, Javier Mota, you can find him on all social media channels. Or, <clears throat> excuse me, or you can find him on uh, on YouTube as well. Go look him up, M-O-T-A. He has got some incredible stuff out here. And you're going to be hearing a lot more from him on the show too. Thank you, Javier, for joining us today. Stand by. There is more Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. I was uh, I enjoyed being on the launch of the last edition of the uh, Chevy Equinox. It was a fun vehicle to be on, and especially I'm very inspired, very, very inspired. And Chevrolet have done this. Ford have actually done this as well, where the chief engineer of a vehicle is a, is uh, female. Um, it's really nice to see them do a lot of things that I think that have been not done in the past. So. Um, she one of the things that she did was made sure that there was enough room in the center console to put her purse into things. Um, so that was uh, pretty cool to see somebody do that. And also look at the features. So it's really nice when that happens. And to join uh, joining us to talk about the new uh, Chevy Equinox for 2021 is Shad Bulch. So Shad, this has been uh, really meat and potatoes, a staple vehicle for Chevrolet. Uh, the 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 Equinox has been one of those big money makers, especially the S SUV line for Chevrolet. It's still a big big seller for you, right? Yeah, yeah, Nick, it sure is. It's you know the the crossover segment is just so hot right now, and we literally Chevy cannot build these fast enough. They just the minute they arrive on the dealer showroom, they're gone. It is the hot segment, and it's because it gives you just the best of all worlds. It has good fuel economy. But utility as well. You can haul people, haul your things. And with the amount of technology that comes with them these days, it's just really hard to beat. I love the idea that, um, and, and several manufacturers are doing this, but including these sort of blacked out versions, Midnight Edition is the name of the trim level that you're doing it. I, I went and sort of priced the Midnight Edition. If you were to go to an aftermarket shop and ask them to spray your wheels, put the black plastic on, do all the things that we're asking them to do, it's it would cost you up to $5,000 more, maybe even more than that, depending on how much is on the vehicle, just to have all those things taken off your regular vehicle and turn black. But now you do it in the factory and you do it for a lot less, right? That's absolutely right. And if there's one thing that we have learned through this hot market of crossovers, it's that these special editions or these unique trim packages, the more that we do out of the showroom, the more that the customers will come into the showroom and actually buy them. People like customization. They like having a vehicle that reflects their personality. The Midnight Edition is that for sure. It takes the, the crossover and, and takes it to a whole new level of, you know, uh, sinister and it looks just like a completely different vehicle. But you're right. When we do it in the showroom, there's no worry about warranties getting voided. You can right. bring anything back in for service, all of that good stuff. 
I love that idea and it makes it also it's done properly too. You know, if it's done at the factory, um, it's done properly. You also have something called a red line edition on the premier version of the Equinox. So what, what does that give you? Yeah, so the Redline Edition is sort of our it's our performance-inspired uh, trim package for Equinox, and it just adds a few little um, interesting design features. So there's a, a marking on the wheels, there's red stitching on the interior, there's a few little Redline badges that come with the car, and it basically just it it, it, it ensures that whoever is driving it has taken a feels like they've taken it to the next level. It's the same, it's still the same vehicle as, you know, the any any model that you buy from an Equinox lineup, but it just it has an, a completely different appearance package that just ups the game a little bit. Because I feel very much like <clears throat> Gen would be the Redline Edition because <laughs> it would, you know, it's slightly more sporty, mm-hmm. um, but definitely uh, Andy would be the, uh, the Midnight Edition because he plays Magic the Gathering, and that's something that someone with Magic the Gathering would drive, right, Andy? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking into getting it right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, uh, what comes new for 2021? Well, uh, actually, I mean, let's talk about 2022. That's what's starting to oh. hit the showroom sooner than later. Ooh. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and I think Jen's going to dig this one. So new for 22, this is the first time that we're going to have the RS model available on yes. Equinox. Nice. And that is just, you know, that's iconic Chevy performance, and it just looks the part. <laughs> um, I like the RS, too, because you had that in the Blazer as well, didn't you? That's correct. That's correct. And if you look at the take rate of the RS trim on the Blazer, it is by far the, mo- the most popular package for that vehicle. So it just makes sense. People love it. Let's yeah. bring it into the Equinox. That's real cool. Is there other new stuff that's coming into the 22s? So we still have the same propulsion system, the 1.5-liter turbo, uh, the six-speed transmission. So you're getting the great fuel economy. There are a few new colors that come for 22, um, blue glow metallic, iron gray metallic, and then, of course, the cherry red tint coat. Those are all standard uh, colors that are going to be available for the 2022 Equinox. And then the best thing is the connectivity. The the wireless Apple CarPlay and the wireless Android Auto means that you don't have to connect your device to charge or to play it in the vehicle. Yeah, that's perfect, because once you get in, then it just steps it up, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's the whole idea is that, one, it's, it's much more convenient to not have to carry a cord, but also, presumably, you'll leave it in your pocket or in your handbag, your device, and then, therefore, not get distracted while driving. Yeah, no, that, that makes it uh, a win for me. Plus, getting LEDs and, and all those sort of extras uh, really is a win for me as well. And uh, now it, now I see the front parking and rear parking sensors, the automatic parking assist as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. The safety technology is becoming more standard even on the base model. So you get the rear vision camera, you get some pedestrian braking, lane keep assist, all of these safety features. It just makes sense that we should start offering them without you know having to force you to buy a, a uh, go up in trim level so there's a lot of that the interior is all updated for 22 it mm-hmm. is it's pretty much a completely new vehicle when you look at the cosmetic side of it yeah i'm looking at pictures now too and i the big armrest in between the seats is absolutely perfect in that uh, you know so you now have places to put all your stuff let's uh talk about do we know pricing and availability when will when will it be available and uh, do we know where it's going to start pricing wise yeah, so this the pricing will be about the same. It's less than twenty four thousand dollars for you know the entry level model. So I think it's twenty three eight, and uh, we're, we're holding it at that. And these should be showing up in showrooms later this summer. 
Good. Uh, if you want to test drive one, uh, Equinox has always been one of my favorite vehicles. Uh, now with all of those extras for 2022, which uh, um, that was a misread by me, but uh, I have to start thinking a year ahead when I talk about new vehicles for 2022. That is a home win uh, for Chevrolet and uh, can't wait to see all of the updates for this year. Shad Balch is from Chevrolet. He is the communications guy if you want to know anything about any of their vehicles. All right, stand by. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just message us at Our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. He joins us every single week. He is an independent analyst and investor, Anton Woolman. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street and Seeking Alpha. Anton, looks like we're two-thirds of the way into June, and uh, here is where Tesla stand in Europe. Tell me about it. Yeah, so Nick, so we have a daily uh, delivery data, daily customer sales data from three countries in Europe. So we are very much up to date. And that is very important, Nick, in the third month of the quarter, which is when Tesla typically has most of its sales. Those three countries are in order. First of all, Spain, which is a very small country for EV sales. But Tesla is having, from what I can see, its best month ever in the country of Spain. Why that is the case, I honestly couldn't tell you. But I'm merely reporting the fact that they're doing great in that very small EV market. In contrast, Nick, in the Netherlands, which has been, if not the largest, certainly in the top three almost every month for the last two years, they're doing very, very poorly. On the other hand, I can tell from all the other electric vehicles in the Netherlands that they are also doing pretty poorly. So that could be a market-wide reason for this, maybe a tax incentive that takes into place after the next month or something like that that customers are waiting for but something is going on there tesla as well as others isn't selling a lot of cars this quarter and finally we have norway the earliest ev market in terms of becoming the largest market for evs as a percentage of the total and because the percentage is so high it's actually even pretty large in absolute terms Tesla is sort of doing almost kind of okay. It's not a total catastrophe, but at the end of the day, uh, there are so many competitors there now that even though Tesla may come near the lead this quarter, um, you know, it's still with a very small uh, market share in the big scheme of things. So just because you are the market share leader, it's not like in web browsers or in operating systems for smartphones where if you're the market share leader, you have 70% market share. Market share leader here may mean you have 5% of the market. So Tesla is a player there. They haven't fallen off the cliff, but uh, it's still a pretty small number for Tesla. Yeah, and, and I think overall, when we look at the graph year to year, um, are they down or are they level? Are they up? Yes. No, they are. So in all of these countries, with the possible exception of Spain, all of the larger countries, uh, basically the trend is uh, mostly down. With a couple of other countries, France, for example, has come out of nowhere a little bit. So they're doing a little bit better in France. But in almost all the other countries in Europe, uh, Tesla has been on a downward spiral here for the last uh, year, almost two years now, after they peaked a couple of years ago and, you know, roughly around the middle of uh, 2019. And, and obviously, when we talk about this, it's very relative. Places like the Netherlands uh, backs up onto Germany, where the VW uh, vehicles are all made and uh, the home of VW. And when you 
think about that. You think about ID4, ID3, which is only sold in Europe, uh, not sold in the United States at least. And th those vehicles are powerhouses. So Tesla have got some fierce competition that really only kicked in in the last uh, 12, 18 months. Yeah, or not even 12 months, Nick. We're talking in many cases here just the last six or so months. And the Skoda ENIAC, for example, which is essentially a rebadged or slightly just gently reskinned Volkswagen ID4, is really the big sensation in Europe for this quarter, along with, of all things, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which took the sales leadership here in May and is still doing strong here in June. So uh, certainly all of these things are weighing on uh, Tesla's market share in Europe in a pretty significant way. And of course, moving their production to headquarters to Austin, where we have seen some Model Ys now uh, from aerial photography uh, being maybe slowly produced or experimentally produced there at that factory. Um, so they're obviously having a, putting a lot of energy into into the United States um, and the Europeans' uh, vehicles. Are they coming from the United States? Are they coming from uh, China? Because we know they were building factories in Europe, but are those factories producing now? No, so Tesla's building one factory in Europe uh, outside of Berlin. Uh, it was meant to go online here in the middle of 2021. I think I told you about a year ago. I said, there's no way this is going to happen quite on time. Right. And, of course, now we're probably at least about six months away from them producing cars in any meaningful way. And you have to be careful also, Nick, when Tesla says they're producing something, uh, you know, a, a regular automaker, when they start pre-production, it takes them at a minimum several months to go from uh, getting the early bills out to getting the units that they actually ship to paying customers. Right. Uh, usually an automaker takes six, nine, 12 months in some cases from early builds of these things, and then they make another three, 400 units, and then they make another three, 400 units, and they test them uh, like crazy. And that, then eventually, when all of these things are signed off on, they go out to customers. Tesla doesn't do it that way. They basically take the earliest prototypes in some cases and say, all right, well, let's find uh, 25 really uh, close people to our nice. company who will not be complaining so much, and let's, let's have them try it out for a couple of months and see how it goes. Right, as seen with the uh, Model S Plaid, right? So, for example, they take to that factory in, uh, just outside of uh, the uh, Austin, Texas airport. There were some early builds of the Model Y floating around there. But as you'll notice in that building, that building doesn't have walls on it yeah. yet. The reason you're able to see these cars is because they haven't put in the walls yet. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like a tent without sides almost. Now, this is going to be a beautiful factory, no doubt. I mean, that campus will be absolutely gorgeous and all the nice trimmings in every which way once it is finished. But a normal auto this stage of the game, I mean, this is still in the construction phase. Tesla is going to sort of try to get a few cars out of there by the end of the year in order to say, hey, we're shipping cars out of here. Well, under their definition yet, a normal automaker would not define it in that manner. Yes. Uh, what are we looking for between now and the end of the year for Tesla? Are they going to manage to pull themselves together or do you see it as a continued decline? Well, the biggest mystery in uh, Tesla has been kind of the same as for the last year or so, which is really what's going on in China in terms of what is or isn't going on there. Because sales, while it has been trending generally upwards here during the first half of the year because Tesla added the Model Y in the early part of the year, it hasn't been trending up a lot. I mean, you're looking at the capacity that Tesla has installed in China. 
I mean, we're talking about them not really uh, making or at least selling as many cars as they ought to, given the installed capacity. And when you have an auto factory, you have to make at least about 85% of the capacity in order for that factory to break even. And Tesla is nowhere near that at this point. And in the beginning, you may also remember, Nick, that they were going to make this factory in China in order to satisfy exclusively the Chinese demand because it was going to be so huge. Now we're finding out that they're putting cars on boats to Europe because they clearly they can't get rid of these cars in China. So something's going to come to a head here, Nick, within the next quarter or so. And, uh, I mean, I'm scratching my head and I'm saying, I mean, look, Tesla is clearly shipping a lot of cars, but trying to figure out where they are really going. Are they really going to real customers? We've been seeing them on parking lots at CATL, their battery supplier in China. Why are there so many of those cars sitting there? Are they selling them to their battery supplier? Huh. Are they doing them a favor? We don't know the answers for sure to these questions, Nick, but clearly uh, there's something that is not quite right in that situation, and it may uh, uncover itself over the next couple of months. All right. Well, is there a difference between the European model and, and the Chinese model? Do they have to make production changes? I presumably even just the, the, the plug-in power. Yeah, the main one is the battery, Nick. So there are some, there are some other uh, little items that have changed on the vehicle, but the one significant one, one is the battery. So they have a local battery supplier in China there, the CATL one. So the battery is completely different than the one that they have uh, for their production in uh, in California. Those batteries come from their factory in Nevada, and they are essentially made by uh, Panasonic inside the uh, uh, Tesla building outside of Reno. So that's a very different kind of battery, Nick. The one that they come that they put in the cars in China now, the new cars, it's just a completely different supplier and a completely different chemistry and all that. Yeah, it might be interesting to see the cars that show up in Europe that were made in China, whether they're going to uh, identify them as uh, Chinese-made and uh, see what is... I believe the ones that are showing up in Europe are indeed labeled as such. I have seen that, for example, in Norway, whereby it is clearly stated in there, made in China on those cars, and it's a little bit inconclusive as of yet, uh, the customer feedback on that. So we should have more news about that pretty soon, since this is a fairly... A new phenomenon, Nick, in terms of these vehicles from China showing up in Europe. So in the coming weeks, I expect to have a lot more feedback on that. But as of yet, I would put it in the inconclusive category. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Polestar making a BEV vehicle in South Carolina. Good news for jobs. Yeah, so basically you may uh, recall that uh, a little over almost three years ago now, in summer of 2018, Volvo, which is effectively Polestar's corporate parent, they opened their factory in South Carolina and they started making the S60 sedan, which was kind of an odd choice if you think about it, Nick, because who buys sedans anymore? Well, they're not popular in Europe, they're not popular in North America, and these things aren't being exported, you know, uh, to a whole, you know, significant other markets. So I think the annual production volume is barely 30,000 units. You can imagine that factory sized for at least 150,000 units for it to be uh, profitable. So clearly that is a factory that's been losing money. Uh, the next vehicle is going to come online in just a few months, which is the Volvo XC90, the all-new next-generation XC90. And now we just learned this week that in addition to that, under the Polestar brand, they're also going to be making a pure battery electric vehicle, a BEV. 
uh, in that factory also starting in a little bit over a year from now. So, And that won't be the last one, by the way. There will obviously be a Volvo-branded variant thereof also in, within you know, probably a few months after that in turn. So clearly that factory is finally, after years of delays and mishaps, going to hopefully have a prayer at uh, reaching uh, a, a profitable production volume. Good for Volvo and good for Polestar. I think uh, it's about time that uh, they got some solid U.S. routes and they make good cars as well. Anton Wolmer is an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha and The Street. Nobody else has as much information as he does when it comes to autonomy, electric cars, and the auto industry around that, especially in Europe. Our auto expert continues. Stand by. More to come. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast. Many more streamers join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, along with Automatic Andy and uh, Truck Girl Jen. Have you decided on a name yet, Andy, by the way? Uh, No, I don't know. I kind of like... What about what about a, a marriage of them both? What about automatic tiny? <laughs> that sounds. It sounds like an implement weird. you might carry on your belt. Oh yeah, all right. Something you like in a tool shed. Automatic. Yeah. Hey, I use my automatic tiny to get the top off. That's true. That's true. I kind of like automatic Andy. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I think I think that was a good one. Yeah, automatic I like it. Andy. Thanks, Jen. You're welcome. A batteries included. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Always. All right. <laughs> double A's. Just, just double That's A's. That's what I got to do. It's funny because I'm a D. Tiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have long enough to explain. <laughs> You're gonna hate this. You're gonna hate this next story. You ready? Mm. Here we go. Uh, there's still much unknown data around the United States, but uh, study claims that crashes increased in states where marijuana is legal. Uh, as the more of the U.S. legalizes uh, the sale of u- and use of marijuana, some folks are asking the question, how about it pertains to vehicles safety? Operating a motor vehicle under the influence of weed, of course, is a no-no. Uh, but the Institu- Institute of uh, Highway Safety, or the I should say the Insurance Institute of Highway, Highway Safety, the IIHS, has some uh, evidence to suggest that it's, a, it's leading to more crashes. And, of course, it's not quite that simple. There is a 25-page study. They did it over 10 years from 2009 through 2019. Uh, it does show in this that states where marijuana is legal, you are uh, a lot more likely to have crashes, uh, 6.6% higher in those states uh, where legalized pot and fatalities go up by 2.3% on average. However, here's the deal. I'm sure in prohibition, accidents went down because the opportunity wasn't there to get your hands on alcohol and drink. I would, I think anybody in their right mind doesn't do anything and get on, you know, get into a car. I mean, if you drink and alcohol is more accessible to you, you are ready to be penalized and you should be penalized to drink and drive. It's the same where if you take mind-altering substances, prescription medication, great example, that uh, you shouldn't drive with, uh, drugs, painkillers that you shouldn't drive with, and then you drive, you should be liable. Again, that's common sense. Yes. 
Unfortunately, <laughs> something that my mom, my mom said she could solve all the world's problems with one word. What's that word? Common sense. No, that's two words. I don't know. Oh, well. <laughs> Common. No. Sense. Yeah, maybe. Uh, education. Everybody, it's it's the lack of education from so many people that they don't understand, um, and maybe it's just stupidity. Yeah, I mean, just I maybe maybe that's what it is. But it looks like uh, there is. Yeah, but then there's also the states where you know there's medical marijuana, and how does that affect it? There's states where marijuana makes up a large amount of legal. Uh, or in a large amount of transactions. So there are states where transactions happens. So there is there is those things too. I mean, there you have to start considering those things when you do this. Uh, let's go on to brighter news. BMW is testing a uh, hydrogen prototype. It enters its road testing uh, phase. It's the BMW X5. It's coming to market late next year. BMW first announced its intentions to bring the production uh, hydrogen-powered vehicle to market in September 2019 when they saw when we saw the first photographs of the prototype. It was uh, the iNext hydrogen or the i say BMW's i hydrogen next. How do you guys feel about hydrogen? Is that is that the same stuff that makes other stuff really really cold? Yeah, well, hydrogen is stored at a very low temperature, so yes, it's a it's a liquid at lower temperatures, and yes, but that's nitrogen. What you use in the doctor's office, Andy? Oh, nitrogen automatic. That's what. Hey, if it's automatic, Andy is automatic. Your first name? Yes, it is. Okay, so automatic. That's what you use in the doctor's office to. You know, when the dent have you ever had that where the dentist numbs a sprays something on a piece of uh, uh, cotton? Yes. Yeah, the and then puts it on your yeah. teeth. That's yeah, nitrogen. I don't like it. That's that's nitrogen. No. So that's what powers the car? It's no, that's hydrogen. They're two different things. Oh. Yeah. Hydrogen they they're gases and they're both very cold when they're compressed. But nitrogen um, is different. Yeah. Hydrogen no so hydrogen is a is a molecule that makes up water. Right. We mix it with H two O. So we mix it with two parts with oxygen. You guys yeah. think you're so smart. Yeah. We're sciencey. So is that gonna is that that's, I feel like on paper yeah. it's better for the earth. Ooh. When I agree. Yeah, because what happens is you take the hydrogen off and you burn it mm-hmm. to create electricity. Oh, that's okay. and, and the byproduct is dirt. No water. <laughs> yep. See, is the the byproduct of a graveyard is dirt. Well, we all become it. Just checking. Yeah. <clears throat> Eventually, we all become dirt. dirt. Yep. I think it's great if we can actually make it. Jen work. doesn't like the funeral talk. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> the zeppelin was hydrogen, right? Yeah, and that was a problem. Okay, okay. okay. I'm now you with us? Got yeah. you. Okay. okay. You got to be careful. Yeah, so, I mean, if we can make some serious changes yeah, to be that. Little, little you know, I've never heard of a hydrogen car exploding or catching fire. Refueling seems to be yes. safe. I mean, we're pretty, right. we know how dangerous the gas can be if it's not controlled. And even with accidents now, they're making sure that hydrogen vehicles are crash safety. But gasoline's the same way. Correct. And actually, Correct. gas isn't flammable. Do you know that? You know gasoline isn't flammable? Did you know creamer's flammable? Wait, Cre- stop. It's How about creamer? I have questions. <laughs> we're going to light creamer when we go home just to check. Okay. Um, it ga- works. Ga- well, it can't be liquid creamer. No, it's the powder. The powder the creamer powder. is yeah. flammable? Yeah. All right, wait, stand by. I'm going to try that. Um, <laughs> gasoline isn't flammable. Did you know that? And everybody on the radio is going, everybody who's listening to us right now is going, we know, we know. 
Well, yeah, you got to let it met. No, it's got to have a spark. Ga- no, no, gasoline is not flammable. Then what? What do you? Then why is it go on fire? Because it's not the gasoline that's flammable. Did you know that? What's it? What is, what it, is then? it? The, it's fan, the fumes. The fumes. Yeah, the, the gasoline itself doesn't burn. It's the fumes that come off of it that burn. I know. You can't Mr. actually light the liquid. You can't light the liquid. You can only light what comes off of the liquid. But it's still highly explosive. What comes mm-hmm. off of the liquid? Nick Miles. Yeah. Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening to Science Today. <laughs> with Nick Did Miles. you learn that from your drinks? You know, you know, you like the drinks and. Oh, I missed a whole section of Jen's life here. Lighting drinks? What? Yeah, you've never, you've never done that. You've never been to a bar where they light drinks. Oh, then? I've definitely done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've definitely done okay. that part. I feel yeah. like okay. I've missed Jen dancing on the bar. Or something no, too. that. My, yeah. No, I. The person that I was with decided right. to dump it, and, and the we're out whole of time. Table caught on fire. <laughs> 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 sounds like a story we should have started the show with. Well, the wait, lighting of the, the fire of the drinks, and we yeah. got the hydrogen cars. I think Ooh. hydrogen. Would be fantastic. I'm it excited is fantastic. about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the hydrogen cars are coming. Right now, they're in California. Uh, Toyota has the Mirage. It's on sale right now for $50,000 for a hydrogen vehicle, but you got to have a supply. Our Auto Expert is online. You can visit us 24-7 at our Auto Expert.com. And the podcast is there. Our TV videos, you can see Mike and I on TV all around the country. Also, you can read great stories from Perry, Mike, and our boss. Go read it. Go love it. Go listen to the old podcast of see you next week you've been listening to our auto expert with nick mile find all the show episodes at rautoexpert.com please follow us on all social media twitter facebook and instagram at our auto expert and message us for a quick and witty response